Welcome in to the OMR podcast. I'm Scott Peterson, international content developer and marketing editor at OMR. Today, OMR CEO Philip Westermeyer sits down with Howard Lehrman, founder of Yext. If you're well-versed in the undertakings of OMR, you'll know Howard from his appearances across OMR's various channels, including articles, podcasts, and of course, his appearance at the OMR Festival a couple of years ago. In today's episode, Howard and Philip talk about how tech companies in the U.S. are not only surviving but thriving during corona, what the current landscape and trends in search is, and where the industry is heading moving forward, and why it's essential for companies to provide a search alternative to Google. All of that and more in the OMR podcast. Welcome back to the OMR podcast, an old friend from New York City. Somebody's been with us and with OMR for a long time. And um, I want to use the chance, use the opportunity to pick his brain, to get an update from him personally. He's in the middle of everything. The US, the big tech bubble, everything is like happening right around him. And um, welcome back to OMR, Howard Lerman. Wie geht's? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little sad. It's only a podcast. So that means no new shoes, no new jackets for me. <laughs> I know. I have to. Well, at least this this time I get an extra year to figure out what we're going to give you the next time I see you on stage. <laughs> this is the guy talking that last time he came over to the, to the festival, he he brought with him like some Christian Louboutin shoes. <laughs> I brought an extra pair for you. I know. I know. I know. And yeah. I, I didn't, didn't even realize in the first place. And then like my colleague said, look, the shoes you're wearing they're like four thousand euro a pair it's like what <laughs> well I had, i had to bring an extra pair because the last time i you know the time before that you liked my jacket and i didn't have two jackets so. <laughs> i know, I know. You're, you're a man of good taste <laughs> apparently you are yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what's the situation like are you are you like sitting right somewhere in the new york city or where you're based right now well right now i'm in miami beach florida which is a wonderful place to be in United States in November, particularly around Thanksgiving time, uh, as the holiday approaches up on here. Okay, and and what's the situation like? I mean, is this like like COVID all over the place? You know, I think what we see in the United States is a tale of two cities. You see certain industries which are in total lockdown, and then others which are kind of functioning pretty normally. I would say, um, and you know, in New York, there's just sections of the city that are abandoned, that are, you know, a lot of people picked up and left the city and have moved to suburbs, have moved to different places or spending time in the Hamptons, wherever they might have a second house. And then you have other sections of the city, like the West Village and meatpacking areas that uh, seem to be sort of alive and people are kind of functioning, not completely normally, but you see everyone in compliance wearing masks and all these other guidelines, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens as it starts to really get cold mm -hmm. in New York because, you know, sitting outside is possible when the weather is kind of good, but when it actually gets to be, you know, 10 degrees and windy, what's going to happen? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I do know, I do know it is different. I do know it feels different. It's not the same. Um, Florida down here feels more normal than New York. I will tell you. Uh, maybe that's because people are less compliant here um, and don't wear masks. But you go out and, for example, let me put it this way. When you go into New York now, you used to, you know, you land at JFK, right? Or LaGuardia, and it takes you an hour to get in in the old days to get through one of the tunnels. Now, if you go to New York, you can fly in. There's no traffic. Whoa, contrast, whoa. That to, contrast that to Florida, 
boy, there's a lot of traffic here when you uh, drive around. Let, let maybe, I mean, you you run or you founded and now you run a $2 billion or $2.2 billion in market cap um, company yourself. I mean, Yex is, is like, you know, the solution for people, like for everything around search, let's put it that way, for everything around answers. We get into more of that later. Um, but what's your what's your perception um Of, of the tech industry is I mean is that all real is that is that kind of going to come back to normal at some point I mean all the valuations are like so high um, you know I mean you just mentioned the, the 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 Dow but I mean all these if you look at the tech companies across the board from like a Tesla to um, to whoever all these specs going like like going public or taking companies yes. public now what's happening there well I you know Tesla is I think a unique case just given the fact that you know one of the smartest 10 people on the planet happens to be running the thing and is a little bit crazy and is building rocket ships and is building electric. I mean, look at what Elon's done. He's basically set out to say, I am going to reinvent, you know, clean energy. I'm going to put people on Mars and I am going to do so in an energy efficient way. And my God, you know, I wake up every day and I hope the world does rooting for him because mm -hmm. It's people like that that move the world forward. All, you know, he makes me feel inadequate every day in running a search company mm -hmm. because search is cool and it's tech, but boy, is it, is it radically, radically changing the world? And, you know, gosh, if we all dreamed as big and had that level of ambition, um, it's hard, it's hard to bet against him, you mm -hmm. know, just from a, from a, Hey, let's move society forward perspective, because he really is trying to do that. That's a, that's an outlier example. You know, you asked about tech valuations. I am not a macroeconomic expert by any means, though I do think tech has been a beneficiary from a lot of the COVID downturn. I mean, gosh, one of the businesses I'd love to be in right now is is telco. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone on the planet is constantly connected to the internet, always now, and downloading more and more and more. And so bandwidth, you can imagine what bandwidth usage looks like during a time like this. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think... Tech has benefited from, and, and what this has also done, Philip, is it's accelerated the digital transformation. Uh, you know, companies that have said, hey, we need to adopt technology and have a digital customer experience and have a digital internal experience for our employees. They, this has moved that forward by, you know, if they had a five or 10 year roadmap, move things forward by 18 months because you've been forced immediately to adapt to a remote working environment. If you're a white collar worker or a knowledge worker in a, you know, in a tech company or any organization, your use of technology has, has, has accelerated. So a lot of these tech companies that have, you know, quote, sky high valuations, they are seeing an uptick in, in, you know, uh, people using zoom and Slack and all that other kind of good stuff all day at, at the same time, you know, You have to remember a lot of these companies are, are, you know, are SaaS and are valued. When you look at their revenue, just remember it's recurring revenue. And that's the key thing. So when you look at a sales force uh, that's valued at, I don't know, 200 billion, 250 billion, something like that. Same with Adobe. They, these guys, their, their software is a service. So when you look at their revenue and say, okay, Salesforce is $20 billion of revenue this year. Wow. It's, they're worth 10 times their, their, uh, their revenue remember that revenue recurs and it's built in and they grow every year. So I think there's a premium. The marketplace is on predictable recurring revenue. That's high margin because it's going to be there next year and the year after that and the year after that. 
how about Jax? I mean, Jax has a similar model, right? We are SaaS. We're software as a service. That's right. We, you know, when you look at our revenues, a huge percentage of them, uh, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's, you know, in, in the high 90s. Uh, is is subscription based that means it recurs that means customers sign up for an annual or you know even longer period of time with us and they pay us annually or quarterly or by biannually depending on sort of contract terms and uh that that type of model you know the the people that that study and look at tech companies tend to like that model just given the fact that it's so predictable. It was a breakthrough model invented really by Salesforce in the early 2000s. They were they were the first company to adapt the SaaS model and to change the what's kind of funny, Philip, because when Benioff when Mark started the company, his original vision was to provide on-demand software. He he looked at what Amazon was doing on the consumer side and said, "Gosh, we should provide on-demand software to businesses and their original billing models charge people or charge businesses for usage. And, you know, every time you logged in or every time you added data to your CRM system, they would charge you for that. And then Steve Cakebread, who was the CFO of Salesforce at the time, kind of helped steer it a little bit more towards the subscription model. And that you would pay for access for a seat or a license or whatever the unit uh, economics were to to build in that predictability. And then Mark and Steve ran around and evangelized this subscription-based SaaS model to the entire Wall Street universe to investors so that they began to understand that, gosh, you know, if Salesforce adds a million dollars of bookings this year, they're going to have that million dollars next year and a million dollars next year and a million dollars next year if it renews. Mm. And That's a powerful financial model because it gives highly predictable uh, uh, numbers. It also gives highly predictable cash flow numbers because, you know, if you collect the money up front, the cash is ahead of, think about it like this. If you charge a million dollars a year for a contract and it's not uncommon to get a seven figure deal in SaaS, you'll collect a million dollars up front. And then each day you recognize essentially one three sixty fifth of a million of revenue. So you have that million dollars in on your balance sheet of the company. You've collected either, you know, you've sent the bill, so therefore it's deferred or you have the cash and sitting in your balance sheet. But then you recognize you have that revenue sitting there as deferred revenue over over the rest of the time period and you burn down uh, the the deferred revenue and add it to, to revenue to be able to to count that. So like, you know, in the first quarter you'd recognize this is kind of interesting. If you bill a million dollars, you collect the million up front. In that first quarter, you you recognize two hundred fifty thousand dollars of revenue, but you still have seven hundred fifty thousand left of deferred revenue, which is sitting on essentially your balance sheet. You know it's guaranteed to happen, but you also have the cash, so it has really good cash flow dynamics in addition to having uh, predictable revenue. And that's what what Mark Benioff really and Steve Cakebread pioneered. Um, and today, Steve Cakebread is actually the ex CFO. And um, and so oh, it's wow. been fun to learn learn from him and learn you know to to kind of see the, the this whole thing first off. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about search. I mean, you are personally like a guy with a search background. You started the company based on your first SEO projects, if if you want to put it like that, long time ago. Um, there in 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 German uh, tech circles, there's a lot of um, like 
questions and, and people are asking, um, is Apple at some point moving into search? What's your take? Well, Apple already is in search. I mean, I know, but it has like, it, it, it's, it's, it's paying Google or Google is paying Apple uh, to ah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, Right, you have Google as the default search engine on iPhone. And I think they, they're paying like, I don't know, 10, 10 billion a 10 year. Billion, something like that a year. That's yeah. right. But yeah. if you think about what's, what is Siri, Siri is a search. Mm -hmm. And Apple is certainly, if you have a website, and I know Omar has a new reviews website, which is incredible. And, <laughs> and, uh, and by the way, I hope to have our own company listed there. And when you, when you review us, please make sure you add five stars to all the X reviews.omar.com <laughs> slash reviews. Uh, but, You'll, you'll see AppleBots crawling your site. And there is an AppleBot that is showing up and crawling. And so Apple is building a big index. And they have Siri. They have, they have a search. They're really good at voice search. They have hardcore technology. It would, they also have distribution. It would not be hard for Apple to make a search engine to mm -hmm. actually deliver their answers. Mm -hmm. What would be hard for Apple is the advertising model. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have or have not indicated, first off, Apple can do anything they want because they're that big, right? Any trillion dollar company can do anything. But the, the fact is that they've never sold advertising to businesses, which is what Google does. Google, Google you know, sets up AdWords, sells advertising to businesses. Apple, Apple is a consumer gadgets company and sells you phones and watches and all that kind of stuff. So... <laughs> For them to build their own search, they could totally do it. In fact, they probably already have. The question is, how do they make money from it? And would they forego $10 billion a year of revenue? And then furthermore, you know, I don't really ever see Apple getting into advertising too deeply because of their whole focus on privacy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you think about what, what Google is doing, tracking you around the web, that's why companies, and I don't know how popular they are in Germany, But DuckDuckGo yeah, I was gonna ask in the about US. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're growing? I mean, they're, are they like oh, becoming gosh, relevant? Well, here, you know, go to, uh, if you go to DuckDuckGo.com, on their site, if you scroll down, mm -hmm. okay, and there's a, there's a question that says, how popular is DuckDuckGo? Right in their homepage. And you can click, which we make public. They show you their daily query volume. And Philip, it is extraordinary. One thing I know about search is that it's very steady and the amount of queries that you see are always highest on Monday. Monday is the biggest search day on the internet. Mm -hmm. It start it kind of starts 9 p.m. Sunday night and then peaks on Monday and then it climbs up Tuesday, Wednesday and then Thursday there's kind of a second peak and then it it starts to decline on Friday and Saturday. That's what like a week a week kind of curve looks like and obviously during Business hours is higher, and during 9 a.m. Monday, usually by time zone, is the is the is the peak time for people searching. Mm -hmm. And so, if you look at DuckDuckGo's traffic every day, first off, it looks like an exponential curve. They handled their daily record. They say 82.9 million searches. That happened yesterday. I'm sorry, that happened Monday. Mm -hmm. So. Every Monday, they are seeing a new peak in the searches that they're handling. And 83 million searches. Google does about 6 billion searches a day. Mm -hmm. So it's only and a fraction that, of Google. They're already getting a couple. It's almost closing in on 2% of search share. 
Now, that's worth a lot of money because if you think about the fact that Google's search, you know, is worth how much is AdWords revenue from search? Maybe a hundred billion a year. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I mean, two percent of that's a lot. If you if you take a you know, imagine and if they keep hitting weekly records and growing like this in a year, it might be four or five percent. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's making a dent, a significant dent in Google's market share, but I am suggesting that the fact that this is happening is a strong indicator of the fact that there is a consumer preference for an alternative right now that's privacy focused. Uh, how is gonna how's Dr. Go going to make money? Well, they have ads, but they don't track you around the web. Oh, okay. okay. So yeah, they just they show simple keyword based ads and gosh, you know, two percent of of a hundred billion is a big number. Uh, who does Dr. Go belong to? Who owns it? It's a privately held company. The CEO is a guy named Gabe Weinberg. Nice guy. He's a friend of mine. He actually wrote a great book, if you wanted to read it, called Super Thinking. He and his wife. He's a, a brilliant MIT engineer that lives in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's backed by Union Square Ventures, which is a New York tech company, mm-hmm. or New York tech VC, Fred Wilson, very mm-hmm. well known. And um, my suspicion is that they don't really have to have a huge operation to keep the lights on. Uh, you know, I suspect that they have, I don't know couple hundred people running the place and maybe not even that many. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a deep partnership, I think, with Microsoft for the ads to only show search ads. But they've really created a search niche for themselves in privacy-based search that doesn't track you around the web. And it's making a dent in the US into Google. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how that that happens around the world Uh, as they, as they, you know, that six billion Google does, you know, includes every language, every country. I don't know if they're there yet. I don't know if they are in, are in India. I don't know if they're in, you know, all the non-Chinese countries in the world, for example. I mean, if, if, I mean, I follow what you do and recently you put out a, um, a blog post basically on, on, on the x.com site, um, where you say um, that, that there's problems in, in, in current Google search. And, and you, I think you call it taking the bullshit out of, Out of search, what was like like wrap that up or like give me a brief um, summary of, of what you're thinking there? Well, you know, Philip, when you search on Google 20 years ago, it used to be that you would type in a keyword, and their whole objective, in fact, a quote from their founders said they were trying to get you off of Google as fast as possible onto a third party website. So you would type in something like McDonald's, and you'd end up on mcdonalds.com. Now, around 2005, 2006, 2007, Google started to try to build their own knowledge graph to answer questions directly as opposed to sending you to a third-party website. And this is a fundamental shift because the strategy became, hey, let's not get you off of Google. We want to keep you on Google by answering questions directly. Now, that was a better user experience in many ways, but it decreased traffic to websites because now Google is answering questions directly. And then, and this is where things started to get really challenging, you know, Amazon comes along or they've always been there, but Amazon starts to become a juggernaut in all categories, going from books to diapers to everything you could possibly buy. And the thing about Amazon is when you go to their website and you run a search, Literally every search is monetized because when you search for diapers or books on Amazon, they just try to get you to buy it right there. Mm-hmm. So this puts Google at a fundamental disadvantage because every time somebody searches for, let's say, mattresses on Amazon, they see a set of mattresses that they can buy. And if they buy something from 
from Amazon.com, Amazon.com takes a toll. They make money on every search. But with Google, when you type mattresses into Google, if you, if you search for mattresses and you click an organic link, you don't, Google doesn't make any money from that. So what did Google have to do? They had to pretty much stuff their entire search engine results page with so many ads that you practically are guaranteed to not click the organic results. So today, if you go and you search for mattresses in Google, and I haven't done this in Germany, so forgive me if I'm not right about this in Germany. I I double check it. (laughs) But here in the United States, when I type mattresses, I see four ads at Mm. the top. Mm. One, Casper. Two, Beautyrest. Three, Mm. Sattva. Four, top mattresses. And then on the right, I see seven, I'm sorry, nine more ads Mm. with pictures. Mm. Same here. There are, and this takes up the entire page that I see. Mm. I don't see any organic results at all. All I see are four ads on the left and nine ads, product listing ads on the right. Mm -hmm. So what Google has turned into is they have turned from a search engine designed to give you answers, to give you the answer that you're looking for into an ads engine that tries to distract you. And here's where this becomes particularly challenging. So it's one thing if I type in mattresses and I get an ad, you know, I get like literally, I guess, 13 ads for mattresses is all I see. 13 ads on the first page for mattresses. But what if I would have something, a more specific question? Like, and this is where Google really begins to fail us as consumers. What if I type in uh, this first brand here, Casper? Casper is a company in the United States that delivers mattresses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, and by the way, their, their founder is a really good guy, New York tech guy, Philip Krim. So if you type in Casper mattress delivery, this is where things get screwy. So like how is, I type into Google, how is my Casper mattress delivered? Now that's a specific question for Casper. I have clearly indicated a branded query here. Yet in this case, I once again see four ads on the left for mattresses. And I see on the right, nine ads for product listings. And my question about how do I get my Casper mattress delivered is nowhere to be found. So the problem is that it's one thing if it's a kind of unbranded query like mattresses to, to stuff the page so that you only see ads. But when I ask a specific question about a company, it seems like I ought to get the answer I'm looking for as opposed to them just treating it like it's an unbranded query and just showing me ads constantly. Mm. And so what this presents for a company like Casper is, is the fact that how do you, how do you deal with this? How do you, how do you handle the fact that Google, which was originally founded as a search engine, then it became an answers engine and now it's an ads engine. How do you handle the fact that, gosh, even when the end user goes to Google and asks a specific question about me, 13 competitive ads show up. The only way, Philip, you can handle this is by answering the question yourself mm-hmm. with your very own Google and your very own website. And that's what Yext Answers does. That's where we come in with a modern 
search. And so, so, so you're saying like to, 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 to like, let me put it in my own words. You're saying like everybody that has a website, either a shop or like a destination website of any kind, you need to focus on the search that's happening on your site. Because if you rely on like external search results, you'll be like, you're, you'll use your customers and you, your customers will click on um, third party ads. So you have to like really improve your own search, your own, the own, the, uh, the, the experience on your own, the search experience on your own website. That's what you're saying, right? It's exactly right. And every customer journey starts with a question, a search. Search is the best application on the internet. It's the best because think about it. Like you get to tell the search engine what you want. It's not like it's Facebook or Instagram, like the social dilemma where it's like trying to figure out what you want and manipulate you. Like search, at least with search, you, you have an intention mm -hmm. and you decide what your intent is. The problem is that Google has turned into an ads engine. And so to your point, there's There's two places where, you know, every consumer, every customer journey starts with a question. There's two places where that can happen. That can either happen on your own website or it can happen on Google. Mm -hmm. And it's way better for you as a company, as a brand, if that happens in your own website. Huh? Because you can... Like if somebody wants to, like, if somebody is like, okay, look, I, I, I want to do that. Um, then they contact you and how long does it take? I mean, what do you do? I mean, you, how does the, the Yext model work? Then you like, obviously... Um, What do you take for that? How can you help? So there are three parts to a modern search engine. The whole key to site search on your own site is a Google-like experience because that's the consumer's expectation. Mm -hmm. And today, most site searches give you back an experience that looks like Yahoo from 1998. It looks like a set of blue links. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the old document-based index search. Mm -hmm. So modern search has three parts. The first is the knowledge graph. That's structured information in a structured way. And that's the foundation of everything Yex has done for the last 10 years. It's a, a database that contains all the facts about a company and how they're related. So if you're a hospital, it has all of the doctors and physicians. If you're a, a lawyer, it has all of your people. And if you're a, uh, a retailer, it has all of your products. That's what a knowledge graph does. It is. It's a, it's a structured set of information. And then the next layer of a modern search engine is natural language processing. And this is the key, which is you have to understand the question in order to give the answer. Old search just would take the keyword Casper and send you to a website that contains the keyword Casper. That's how old search works. But new search knows that when you say, like, how many calories are in a Big Mac, boy, Big Mac is a type of hamburger which is related to McDonald's And that's a menu item. And so therefore, we want to answer the question directly. In fact, if you, Philip, go to uh, who.int, that's the World Health Organization's website, who.int, mm -hmm. and you click there, see that, emer that big red emergency box about COVID-19. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You'll see a search box in the middle there. It's a Yex search box. You could say cases in America. And when you type in cases in America... It doesn't just send you to a web page that contains the answer. It actually knows that, oh, shoot, this user is looking for the number of COVID-19 cases in America, mm -hmm. and the answer is 12.276 million. And that's a direct, specific answer. That's natural language processing that understands the question and then retrieves the answer from the knowledge graph. And then the third part of a modern search experience is the user interface. So let's a user transact right off a search engine results page. We... We, uh, we have a company in the U.S. that is a huge health system. They're a number 
three or four health systems in the United States, and they just began to offer the ability to book COVID-19 testing online at one of their local facilities. They, they have seen an explosion in searches on their site as a consequence of this. And if you think about, once again, comparing the old Google of 1998, it was a bunch of blue links that you would click to a, a website and you'd be off Google. But the new Google lets you transact right off Google. It shows you Google Maps. It lets you purchase a product. You can click buy. You can click book directions. You can click book appointment. You can click phone call. All those types of that, those are all transactions. And a modern search experience lets you transact right off a search engine results page. And so that's what that's what Yex Answers lets you do too, which which is that you can, you know, if a user types in COVID-19 testing on a hospital website, they can book a virtual or real appointment right off the search engine results page um, by selecting selecting the thing they want. So those are the three components of this. And you know, to your question about how long it takes, if you already have a knowledge graph set up and are using Yext for for our core, you know, original business of listings or pages. Uh, honestly, within 30 minutes, you can be set up and going because we already have all the data and we've built the, the natural language processing uh, so well, including, by the way, now in German, which I'm very excited about, which took a while. Uh, natural language is is a challenging thing and we're already live in certain German companies. I think we have the Evangelical Church just launched, which is kind of a fun thing. Um, so you can ask questions like, is there a God? Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know how we answer that question. The point is that Google, Google, it's not good for you as a company if people go to Google to ask questions about you because Google shows competitive ads and shows ads that you buy. Mm-hmm. And it's way better for you to be able to have your own Google. And it turns out you might think, well, who uses site search? Well, when you when you have a crappy site search, nobody uses site search. But if you offer people a great site search, turns out that within a, a month or so of putting live the Yex site search, our customers see double, sometimes triple the number of searches happening because people are trainable. And when you give them a great result, they come back, they remember, they search over and over again. In fact, I'll tell you a really fun, interesting fact. We, When we put our own site search live on Yex.com, we put our own product up on our own site. Overnight, we saw branded searches for Yext drop 34% in Google. Oh, wow. And you can see that because, you know, we see we buy our own ad. We, when people type in, you know, questions like, you know, about Yext, we, we buy ads for that because those are our own branded searches. And it turned out that with it, within, within instantly, within putting our own site search live, a, 30, a 34% reduction in branded search. And the reason is because people were able to get the answer off our own site instead of having to ask Google. Mm-hmm. And this was a tremendous, not only did that reduce our ad spend with Google, it also meant that we controlled the customer journey. So it was just, a, it was a shock to see it be that big. And we saw pretty much the shift just go from, you know, Google right to our site. And what that proves is the huge relationship between site search and Google search. That is, people often, especially your best customers, want to first go to you. They want to go to OMR and ask questions about OMR. But if they can't, they're going to go and they're going to search in Google. And when they do that, they might see competitive conferences. They might see competitive podcasts. They might see other things, other people that are trying to target your brand and piggyback off you. So it's way better to keep them on your own site and your own media than it is to have them bouncing back to Google and running an ad. And we saw a 34% reduction of people searching for Yext in Google 
because they were, and we saw that same number, by the way, that same number of searches happened on, happened on our own site. What, what do you think is the future of search like? And what, what's, what's coming in the next like three to five years in search? Well, you know, let's talk about what just came, which is this algorithm called BERT. BERT is a really important, and Google open sourced it, which was, um, and, 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 you know, this is, this is what happens in tech. People, folks have caught up. Amazon has similar stuff. Uh, BERT brings natural language understanding to a whole new level and makes it even, it's, a, it's kind of a next generation NLP system. And we've incorporated that into our search. So search has gotten really good. Search, you know, so what's happened in the past couple of years is we've moved from an era of document search to true natural language understanding where computers really do understand what people are asking for, where computers really do understand what people mean when they say and when they, when they ask a question. Computers do know that, you know, they know that when you say, hey, what year did Christopher Columbus sail to America. They know what Christopher Columbus is. They know you're looking for a year. They understand how to find that, that, that information as opposed to just sending you to the Wikipedia page about Christopher Columbus, which was original search. So search has moved from an era of looking and just, you know, of, of sort of document indexing to true natural language understanding. And this just is an absolute quantum leap in the capability for technology. And that's how Siri can answer questions. That's how Alexa can answer questions. Alexa knows everything. So the more data that we begin to compile, the more knowledge we have in a structured way, the more search is going to begin, is going to keep evolving and I think get more intelligent. Um, and so there's that, but there's also just this idea that You might, you might see, and this gets to Facebook and Instagram, which I think are a little creepy. Have you, by the way, watched Social Dilemma? Uh, yeah, Netflix. Yeah, I've, I've watched it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a creepy, a little bit creepy of a, of a movie. And, um, you know, <laughs> that one's interesting because what that does is that that anticipates what you might be searching for. Which is, which is kind of a funny, a funny idea. That's how Netflix, sorry, that's how Facebook and Instagram and, and WhatsApp, that's how they show ads because they, they think about what, what might this person want mm -hmm. as opposed to like what this person explicitly mm -hmm. asked for. So that's predictive and that's how Spotify, and there's nothing evil about that. That's just using the data that's there to try to guess what you might want. And damn, they are good at it. But so is Spotify at guessing what music you might want to listen to, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, 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 you listen to all kinds of different music online on Spotify, and then they get pretty good at guessing what you're, what you're going to want. So I think overall for society, it, it tends to be pretty good when, when we, uh, when we can, you know, guess what people might want and try to give that to them and try to meet their, meet their demand for it. What, what, uh, is, what I mean, like from, from an, um, investors perspective, do you think like Google is at its peak? Oh gosh, I, I don't know. That is beyond my, here's what I will say. I can't, I don't know from an investor perspective because I don't follow their financials close enough. I don't know. From a product perspective, this is just me speaking freely as a product guy for a second. Boy, has Google not changed the search, the core search experience in a long time. Mm. Holy cow. It really kind of looks the same. If anything, it looks worse because remember that search for mattresses? Ugh, it just looks like a bunch of billboards. 
it reminds me a lot of you. You probably didn't see this in Germany, but you know AOL and Yahoo in searching the United States as they as their user base began to erode as people left Yahoo search and AOL search and went to Google search, they started adding more and more and more ads. And the ads got more and more and more deceptive and blended in with the organic results. Gosh, remember Google Mm -hmm. search ads used to be on the right. Remember it used to only be on the right and it used to be... But who can challenge them? I mean, there's DuckDuckGo, we we discussed that and who else can like offer a better service? Well, what I think is that There's an opportunity. I don't think there'll be, I don't think the next Google is going to be, I don't think Google is going to be challenged by something that looks exactly like Google. I think what's going to happen is you'll see pieces of their share siphoned off from various vertical searches. Like the bookings of those world and, and all these, like this, this vertical searches, if you want. Vertical searches is definitely one. Hmm. It could be different, different types of experiences though. It doesn't even need to be core web search, right? Because that's what Google is really good at, but we might be searching different things. I mean, every time, just to say it, Yext handles the search for one of our customers. And I think we said in our last earnings call, and this number is not 100% on, but I think we said we handled 14 million searches last quarter, something like that. Every time we handle a search, that search does not happen on Google. Hmm. It would have happened on Google, but it didn't. And so, you know, my vision, our vision at Yext, imagine if we got not, you know, today we have, you know, on the order of of hundreds of sites, but imagine if we had on the order of tens of thousands of sites using our site search. You know, it's not hard to see how branded search, at least, which I estimate is like maybe a third or 40% of Google search should end up on the brand. Because if I ask, hey, Casper mattress delivery times, I shouldn't see an ad for purple and an ad for 15 other mattress companies. I just want to know something specific about Casper. And so I should communicate directly with Casper. So imagine a future where every company can answer a question about themselves. So you don't have to go to Google to get ads. Mm -hmm. Google doesn't even answer the question, right? You just see ads. So So you don't don't see one clear competitor, but you see like a a set of different um, impacts like vertical search, like voice, then then like on-site search coming back to like like staying on that other side. Um, so so the, you see like a, all kinds of different um, elements eating away from from Google's market position. If you look, that's exactly right. Because if you look at how technology evolves, that's kind of like how it tends to happen. There's like a certain internet mechanic, and there's a company that comes to dominate that mechanic, but then instead of like some other company beating them at that own mechanic, they're just, it turns out that there's a new technique. I mean, think about Facebook, you know, it's a good thing they bought Instagram because most people I know in the U S I don't know what it's like in Germany, but like Facebook is much less used now by a lot of people. People use Instagram now Mm. and you know, it's just a new, instead of Facebook being beaten, there was just like kind of a new medium, a new way that people wanted to connect on the phones with videos and have shorter formats and, And so like that new medium just kind of like became a dominant thing and Facebook is still there, but it's not like, you know, there, there's just some, it's almost like there's a bunch of layers. And so I see in the future, Google, I don't know if even search market share will, will be kind of like there's web search, but there's just going to be two new types of search markets. And so, you know, imagine DuckDuckGo is owns privacy and in a year or two, they're at five, seven, you know, five, six, seven percent of search share. You know, I think Yext 
we can help eat away at branded search share. Every time we handle a search for Verizon or handle a search for a medical facility or farmer's insurance or Morgan Stanley or the World Health that doesn't happen on Google, that we've won back branded search on behalf of the brand. Maybe we get to a huge percentage of search there. You know, that these are the kinds of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if in, you know, five, 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 six, seven, eight years, if Apple made us, you know, took, took a chunk from Siri of Amazon product. I mean, look, it's funny because you think about, oh, Google owns, you know, 98% of web search share, but wait a minute. Like what about product search on Amazon? What percent do they have of that? <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, okay. I mean, so, so I, I, I get the vision, like maybe before we, before we go, like give me a, um, an outlook on, on, on the US now. The, there's a new administration coming in. I assume, I mean, you are from New York. So, so the statistics, probability is that you have, um, that you are in favor of Biden, um, that you voted for him. Um, what, what's your, what's your um, perspective on that? You know, it's pretty shocking how close the election really was, if mm-hmm. you think about it, you know, it uses, I'm sure you guys understand the electoral college, which is not a popular vote. Mm-hmm. The popular vote was something like 48 to 52. It's a close election. Just mm-hmm. there are 70, 80 million people that voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. And that's something that everyone has to respect. And same thing with the people that voted for Biden. You have to just, you have to respect everyone's like right to have a choice, right to have an opinion. You know, as CEO of a tech company, I try not to prescribe my, you know, a lot of people wrote letters. A lot of people got involved. I said, gosh, how lucky are we to have a system that we get to choose? Mm. That's, that's how I feel fortunate to that. And, you know, it was, it was discouraging for me to see a sitting president, you know, attack the integrity of the election. I just think he looked like a fool. Mm. And I think he's begun to realize that now too, which is why he's begun to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to begin the transition. So the transitions began, but for the people that voted for Trump, like they're voting for uh, the Republican party probably. And there's a certain set of ideals, which I think there's a lot to be said for them for, you know, whether or not you agree, there's something to be said for conservative economics, for capitalism, for free markets. And so a lot of the, the people that are quote for Trump are really just kind of up and down the Republican ticket. And, you know, the United States tends to be a two party system. We have a new president. That president has been elected. The GSA has determined it. Republican senators are behind it. Regardless of what Trump says, like I'm pretty excited for there to be a a seamless transition. And, you know, if Trump had won, that would have been fine too, because he would have been the rightful winner of the election. He was not. I'm really hopeful that, the new president will come in and reestablish relations with Europe in a new way. I think like most people I know, like really want a strong NATO, really want a strong relationship with Germany, really want a strong relationship with all of Western Europe and all of Europe. And, you know, I think together the United States and Europe can be leaders and should be leading around the globe and should be the standard for the world and should be the leaders for the world. Howard, it's uh, always a pleasure to catch up and and, 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 and and check on you. And it sounds like you're in a, in a, in a good place. I mean, they're in Miami and then like with the company. Um, you, I mean, in a way, you're like 
Corona didn't impact you that much, right? I mean, that's that's what I what my my um... yeah. Our our business were digital business. You know, certain industries were really hurt by it, but you know, there are a lot of industries that benefited, and they all need site search. They all need to provide answers to their customers. Google, you know, hit by an antitrust suit in the United States. So, I think there the time is right for a change in search. And uh, by the way, that change in search should happen not just in the U.S. but in Germany too. So any We are offering, by the way, this product for free for 90 days. So anybody that wants to try it out can try it for free in German. We'd love to have you. Um, and by the way, when you come to New York and visit New York, come to the Meatpacking District, come to the uh, the Starbucks Roastery in the Meatpacking across from Google, and we would love to hang out with you in New York. Yex is a special relationship with with Germany. Yex is a special relationship with Philip. Ich liebe Deutschland. Ich liebe Deutschland. Howard, thank you so much. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast and um, yeah, for, for like sharing your perspective and I'm looking forward to having you back here. Seriously, I mean, maybe the second half of the year we can put something on and then we'll we'll bring you over if, if you if you have the time and if not, then it's 2022. We will definitely meet again and you know, Philip, in closing as my <laughs> as my favorite singer Udo Jürgens once said, just remember, heute beginnt der Rest deines Lebens. Okay, okay. Howard, thank you very much. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wiedersehen. Wiedersehen.